the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 41. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Really? discombobulated morning which is funny because I was feeling super settled and great but I just you know I had a few technical difficulties this morning but I'm all right I have uh, I have been working super diligently on my January cure and um, I thought I was feeling really good in my spaces but maybe my mind is not so much <laughs> mm-hmm. right see that's why I said when you mentioned it to me before when I said I do that in my head in January. I didn't mean that I like, I visualize my house being organized. (laughs) That's not what I meant. I meant that I do that same kind of organization in my, and mentally. Oh, but with like your creative work and things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just sorting out, kind of sorting out my intentions and my year and you know, what I want to do, what do I want to accomplish? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Not that I just sit back in my, I wish my kitchen was clean. My, <laughs> my messy house, visualizing it organized and purged. No, yeah. well, I went to bed. I was in bed by seven fifty last night, like showered vitamins taken, um, in bed with a book. And I really had all kinds of plans to get up early and be really have a really smooth morning but that's just not how it worked out but I did take a moment to reset before you and I were recording um after I spilled tea all over my computer and microphone and office floor I just paused and cleaned it up and sat there for a full minute and just was like okay do not let this change your whole morning Mm -hmm. in your mood right so I kind of sat with that which normally I would just say the F word really loud and um, let that kind of fester. But I was like, nope, I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to do something a which, little bit different. Right. Which just can, it just ratches, ratchets it up. Right. Yeah, it does. It does. Mm-hmm. So it's within my control. Uh, but I do want to talk about the January cure a tiny bit. Um, I did my art studio yesterday, like uh, Doug, well, two days ago I started it. And that's going to be my big project for the month. Mm -hmm. And for listeners that haven't listened before, this is part of apartment therapy does a January cure where you kind of help give you little daily assignments to kind of tidy up your home a little bit, the spaces. And this is my fifth year participating. So my house is in pretty good order, but my studio, it just was a visual chaotic mess in there with just stuff everywhere that I, I couldn't land on anything, Sandra. I couldn't. There wasn't even space to write. There wasn't even space to sit on a chair in there. It was just, there was nothing. It was all from the holiday, you know, kind of like the aftermath of the holidays, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure you're familiar with, but it was just sitting there waiting for me. 
And so two days ago I went in and made a tiny dent. And then yesterday I worked for a couple of hours. Um, and it's not, the project has just started, but at least I can walk in there and there's clean surfaces and it feels good. Nice. Yeah. But how's your studio? Do you, do you kind of aftermath of holidays? Like is it Um, waiting for you? It's a little bit of a mess, but, um, I'm not ready to tackle that right now. I have other things I have to finish first because for me, that kind of stuff is a form of procrastination for me. If I have things that take priority over Ah. cleaning, Mm -hmm. then it's just, that's just, I could start that and then I would, that's procrastination for me. I wouldn't do the other important, more important things I need to do. That would be just like, which is like what I do with other things when I'm like, Oh, I need to, um, look at my phone a hundred times before I start writing that thing I need to write or yeah. Or I'm going to go make a meal from scratch because I don't want to start on what I paying my taxes or yeah, I do that with other things too. Yeah. So, but maybe February. Yeah, go ahead. Share what you've been working on because this is going to air on Monday. It's Monday. Pretend it's Monday right now, the 15th. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. um, Junior day. So you have a little over a week till your big project comes out. Right. So, uh, my book. I talked about it on the last podcast, but, um, I am finishing up compiling a book that I've kind of been working on and off on for about three since I've been sober. Um, and it is, uh, called your daily unruffled. So it's like a, it's like a reflections book. Um, probably seen them. AA has one. Hazelden has one. Um, so it's a daily reflections book with, um, uh, an accompanying creative prompt. And most of the prompts are writing type prompts. Um, some are just to kind of, kind of jumpstart your creative thinking for the day. Um, some of them are, uh, ideas that are a little more involved, not a lot of pictures and tutorials because it's just an ebook, but, um, it has been uh, up for pre-sale on my site in the marketplace on my site at theunruffle.com, but it will be up in its entirety uh, on January 22nd. So I'm working real hard finishing up, uh, just putting it together. That part is kind of is taking the longest. And um, I'm real excited about it. I've, I've already gotten a lot of feedback because if you pre buy it, which you still can do on this Monday, the 15th, um, I'll send you the whole month of January and get started and jump in. Yeah. Yeah. So I've already gotten a lot of feedback and it's really amazing. It's actually kind of blowing my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I love getting feedback. I love feedback and, um, I'm so excited and it's, I would like to say I've talked, I feel like I've talked about it a whole lot, but that's okay. I need to keep talking about it. But one thing I haven't said, um, that I would like to say about it is, um, I know a lot like you're doing this January cure and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that start 30 days of yoga on the first. And, you know, sometimes you feel like I don't really need one more commitment of something that I need to do every day. Please stop telling me what to do. I totally (laughs) get that. And this book, once you see it in its entirety, and this is how I treat 
I have a couple of reflections books and it's how I treat them as well as you, you don't have, to, you can do it consistently every day or you don't have to, you can put it down. It's meant to be put down and picked up again. Um, or you, if you don't like the day, you can jump to another day. I mean, there's no rules. Uh, so, um, I just wanted to say that because I, I, I know that I would be hesitant to buy something if somebody was trying to tell me what to do every day, you know, like I needed one more damn thing to do. Don't be but, the boss of me. You're not yeah. The boss of uh-huh. Because mm-hmm. you know I am. But, um, <laughs> but. <laughs> you can be the boss this, of me sometimes. I need this it. this is, this is just, you know, you can pick it up, put it down. Um, I think it's really helpful for people in early sobriety because a lot of these reflections, um, were written, well, actually all of them <laughs> were written when I was in my first year of sobriety. So, um, but even if you have some time, I think that, uh, it will just, it's a book that can help establish a creative foothold if you feel like that's, um, something you need. And so, yeah, so I'm finishing that up and I'd like to say one more thing that yeah. like, I'm kind of, that's kind of, uh, spinning in the background of this is I think this is the year that I'm going to start saying no to some things and it's super scary, but it's all kind of coming together with finishing up this book and, um, like creative things like no to creative things, uh, no to some things that I had put in place at the beginning of my sobriety. So at the beginning of my sobriety, I've talked about it before I, uh, kind of put some things, I, I kind of established some things throughout the year that would sort of, that were, um, uh, you know, career type things, but, but really that would keep me occupied mm-hmm. throughout the year. One were my sewing camps, um, that I've done in the summers for kids the yeah. past years. I'm not going to do them this year. <gasps> really? Not, mm, okay. No. So that's a biggie. That's a big I'm thing. Not, going to do them. It's scary yeah. because it's not broken. You know, it's like fixing something that's not broken and, um, they work, uh, they, they do, your time. But they do take up a lot of time and I can't, um, I'm ready to open up some space for some other projects that, um, I want to work on for the unruffled. So I'm super nervous. Yeah. Um, but I'm very, very excited about the whole prospect of it. And so this is just me taking agency. I love it. I love yeah. it. Okay. So your ebook, you have a hashtag for it that I'm loving seeing come up, um, on my your daily. Unruffled. Feed. Yeah. yeah your daily unruffled. And did you know you can follow hashtags on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I think I that's didn't. a new thing that they rolled out. <laughs> I think it's kind of new, but yeah. yeah, I figured it out last, um, November when I was doing Tammy's gratitude tribe, but not until the very end of the month, I was physically going to the hashtag and looking at everything every night. But now that I follow the hashtag, it just comes up through my feed, which I really like. So I'm going to follow your daily unruffled. Um, yeah, so yeah. I can see what everybody's doing with it. I've asked people to use it. So, um, hopefully more and more of you guys, if you're, if you do a prompt, I would love it. If you, uh, use the hashtag, if you Instagram it, <laughs> um, I love it. If you use a hashtag because I am looking, I'm checking and cool. yeah, it is cool. It's fun. And so, and what about you? Um, well, the fun thing, so 
my ebook, I put it up on New Year's Day as well. And um, I'm just, I can't, I'm, I'm just don't even know what to say. People have been so kind and so nice that have purchased it. Um, I think I've sold 125 books. Uh, people are creating their gratitude lists using the hashtag Tammy's Gratitude Tribe and messaging me too. I've been doing live videos on my Instagram stories of when I'm making my list, which I got to figure out a better system. I need something for over that I can record my actual making of the list above me, you know, like a camera and a tripod you, or something. Well, you just need a tripod to hold your phone. I have a tripod. It can't, it doesn't hold it. I can't figure out how it's missing a piece. I think, I don't even know. I hate stuff. Well, like this. This is what they I make them. They make things to hold your phone so you okay. can do it. Well, then I do, would have to research that and do it. And this is the part where I get stuck in my creative endeavor, Sandra. This is the part that I can't move forward. Not that I can't. I choose not to move forward. I choose to just shut down and go, oh, I'll just figure it out later. It's not a priority. It doesn't, even though it is, even though I want to do that, it, it's like I can't make the next step. Hmm. Not proud of it. <laughs> Uh, but there's something that holds me back from even going on the computer and searching for it. It's silly. It's silly. And maybe by saying that out loud here, I'll have to figure it out. Uh, because I would like to record when I'm actually physically making the list or to do a stop motion where it like speeds it all up. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my hope. But anyhow, I'm just happy that people are, I mean, they're messaging me about, you know, they're going to the art supply store. They're getting the journals. They're going to start tomorrow. They'll tag me in it. Um, people just asking other little questions that maybe weren't addressed in the book. They're like, Hey, you said this, but so it's really helping to inform me how to maybe, you know, update that in the future as well. And, um, and that people are that purchased it. So I'm really grateful. Very, very happy about that. And happy. I didn't put it off Sandra till it was perfect. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's, that's big. <laughs> it is. And that's the lesson here. I think like with doing all these things with you, it's like, it's, it doesn't have to be fully, um, not that it's not good. It's just, it's not perfect. And we're kind of figuring it out along the way. Like you and I were, this is episode 41 and we're learning so much. Still can't figure out show notes. I'm going to reach out today to two friends that have a podcast that are doing show notes that work on their podcast and, um, seeing how, seeing how we can do that too, because I know we're putting all of the information in our show notes for our listeners, but they're not able to kind of click on links, which I think would be helpful. Well, you mean from iTunes? Yeah. Uh, from any okay. platform? Uh, no, not necessarily. You can go to, uh, if you go to my site, I have show notes on my site, the unruffled.com uh, and you can click, um, links there. I'm so glad that you, um, <laughs> So just <laughs> FYI, are in charge of show notes. <laughs> I mean, when I'm on my phone for a podcast, I go look at their show notes and I click on the links. You know what I okay. mean? Like I click on yeah. them and I yeah. can't do it. But if it's on your website, yes, thank you. Tell our listeners where they can find that. And that's yes. Awesome. So the there is a, um, you can go to the Unruffle podcast tab and all the show notes are there under each podcast and they're all clickable. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> so we should probably, uh, do we have anything else to share or promote? You got your, I don't know. I think that's it. That's, that's it. I, that's yeah. Today. Yeah. Because I, I can't go. Uh, there are more things in the future, but let's just one thing at a time. <laughs> 
Um, I want to, I'm just going to end it with this. Uh, I cleaned up that studio that I mentioned, right? Uh-huh. And it's a work in progress and it's going to change some more. Uh, but as soon as I did, I said I was going to sell three paintings that are hanging up on the wall in there on my Instagram stories. And I got a message when I woke up this morning that someone was interested in buying all three. And then I decided before we started recording this morning, I thought, oh, I should just really tell people there's paintings on my website they can go check out. So I put my most recent painting up there and listed the price and the dimensions and a little tiny story. And before I even got on this call with you to do this interview today, it already sold. That's amazing. So the energy of putting into my studio or this January cure, clearing my spaces for me, like I'm hoping to invite like this kind of stuff in, right? That there's sure. some movement because everything has felt super stagnant mm, and cluttered yeah. and chaotic and just couldn't, there was no room. Mm-hmm. And so by making room, I felt like I made room for that to happen this morning. And it just kind of was like, I can't wait to get back to painting and, and making art to, to put up in my marketplace and share. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, so that felt good. Um, so who do we have on today? Today, today we have on my friend Nicolette Gothrop, and we call her Nico in the interview, and you can call her that too because I think uh, that's what she goes by. Her friends call her that. Yeah, yeah. And I met Nico on Instagram uh, back in 2014, uh, way back when, when I was first on there, and I loved her style. And we get into that a little bit, talking about Instagram and. Um, how she's, uh, created, a, you know, uh, her, I guess it's like her brand, you know, her kind of style. You'll see it's a very cohesive. Uh, she has a very curated, uh, Instagram feed. It's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Really, really beautiful. She's a great photographer. Yeah. She's uh, yeah, she does many things. She's a great writer, an artist. Um, she's what's known as an Instagram influencer. Um, she only promotes brands that she likes, right? She, she gets gifted these items and that's what she gets into in there, but she's only really saying, Hey, I really dig these jeans because she really digs these jeans. I mean, if she doesn't like it, she's not gonna, it doesn't resonate with her. She's not gonna share that. So it's almost like a service she's giving. Like, I really, this is a great product. She has little ones. So a lot of the stuff is baby stuff sometimes or home items or skincare. She has, you know, beautiful skin. So did we say her Instagram? Um, no, name? go ahead. Go ahead. It's uh, at Ozark Mama Deer. So O-Z-A-R-K Mama and then deer as in the animal, D-E-E-R. And it's beautiful. Yeah, I'd highly recommend going and checking out her Instagram feed and see what, what it looks like. You'll get a little sense of, of her style and her creative voice. She was also my last ray of light uh, in my interview series last year, number 53. So you can check that out, too, if you listen to the interview and you want to um, know a little bit more about her. That's over on my website at uh, TammySolace.com, and you can just search under the tab for a Ray of Light series, and you'll find actually all 53 interviews um, there, 52 interviews there. Uh, and what else? She, she lives in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and she and her husband are opening a new restaurant uh, their soft opening is actually today, the day that we're recording this. <laughs> and, um, so if you're in, find yourself in Fayetteville, their restaurant is called Woodstone Craft Pizza and, and bar. Um, but they, I think this is their second location, right? So they are, um, restaurant tours. Yeah. 
she shares a great story today. I think um, the thread that ran through it, which I think ran through it for me too in my in my drinking career, was just the anxiety component mm-hmm. and how I dealt with my anxiety and um, and being a mom. And yeah, I think she shares a lot about that, and I think I think I think that our listeners will will enjoy her story and um, find a lot to to connect with. There might be a little baby chatting in the background that you will hear, and that's her sweet little one, her youngest. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think if there's anything else I was going to share. I, yeah. I think we're good. I think we're good. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the interview. Enjoy. Good morning, Nico. Hi. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Sandra. We're like splattered all over the United States right now and connecting via Skype. I like that. Yeah, that is very cool. Isn't that neat? Well, it it really is. I actually hadn't asked you where you are, Sandra. I don't. I'm in Austin. And great. Yeah. And so I'm not super far from you. And I just wanted to say that I am all back in love with Arkansas. Oh, my God. I love Arkansas. I uh, probably went a couple of times as a kid. My parents worked for schools, and so we would take these awesome driving trips throughout the summers. And so I know we went to Arkansas many times, but this past summer, my kids and I drove to Chicago to see Hamilton. And yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but we had a reason for doing that because we wanted to stop at the Crystal Bridges Museum in Bentonville on the way. And that was freaking amazing. It's good, isn't it? It was so good. I couldn't believe it blew my mind. I can't wait to go back. And what I'm here to say is I am going back. So my mother-in-law wanted to do like a family trip and I talked to them all into Arkansas. And so we're going to be this summer. This is my show. Exciting because this summer we're going to be at Petite Jean State Park, which oh, I just okay. Googled it, and that's not too crazy far from Fayetteville. I was just looking at that. Yeah. So anyway, love Arkansas. It's just beautiful. It is very beautiful. It's um, yeah. I I had when I moved here, I had never been to Arkansas. I and was where living. Did you, where did you live before? Prior to here, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina, and it was just like a one year, you know, I was 19 and I drove actually from California to North Carolina in a little car with a silly boy. And um, (laughs) we had like $100 and um, (laughs) I lived off of cigarettes and, um, Anyway, I stayed there for a year in North Carolina, and I had a friend who I had met while going to school in Missouri, um, who is who's still a dear, dear sister friend to me, who was moving to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to join her now husband at the architecture school here. I had never been here one time, and I packed up all of my stuff in a U-Haul, and she came and met me in North Carolina, and we drove to Arkansas and we arrived in Fayetteville at night and I was like, huh, what am I doing? And, uh, yeah, so I just, <laughs> where I am I? Why am I here? To, yeah. Like what is this? 
And I have never left. I mean, I've left to travel, but I have never moved away. And I was 20 years old and I'm now 35. So it's been, I've almost lived here longer than where I grew up, which is really, really kind of neat. It's my own place. Like I, I don't know any, I mean, I, now I know a lot of people and I've had some kids and anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to get your roots in. I don't know. That's the thing. I know some people like to move around, but I have I, my roots are solidly in Texas. But I was I was born and raised in Texas, and I don't really foresee myself ever living anywhere else. I, who knows? I might, but anyway, I like having it's very roots. disorienting to try to. I, I think that 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 was a reason why I chose to stay was to kind of put down some roots. And, um, and now I'm committed to that. We have, and my children, they were born here. And so this is their home. And we sometimes go home to where I'm from, which is Bakersfield, California. It's just beautiful. There. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's a famous song. I'm just kidding. It's not very <laughs> lovely, but it's, um, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. I'm like, is she being sarcastic? Because I've been through Bakersfield, but I didn't know if you had a fond affection for it. So I don't want to insult anybody in Bakersfield. I always want to love Bakersfield. Like it's one of those things where my dad still lives there. My mom, you know, like my whole family still lives there. So I don't want, you know, to ever like sound like I don't love the place but every time that I go back I really have these like high expectations of that like oh it has changed in the way that all the other places have changed and it really just hasn't and it's a um uh, it's a it's a um I don't care a lot about the arts there <laughs> no <laughs> well it seems like anyone wants to really plan a community yeah. so it's it's an interesting um interesting land and when I go there, it's always an exercise in um, oof, just like deep uh, surrender. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that's how it is going home for everyone. Mm-hmm. You get reduced to like this child that you were. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you're just like, just whatever you do, don't freak. You're telling like a lot of self-coaching, like, don't, don't freak out on your grandma. <laughs> Totally. Even if she's a racist, don't freak out on her. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I love that so much. That's the other thing is like, I've just grown this deep affection for these people in this the most pure way, mm-hmm. especially I think from being away for so many yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Now you can, you're the second of seven kids, right? That is correct. And so oh, wow. are there, what's the, what's the age of the youngest, if you don't mind me asking? She is 15 and a half. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a little span She's there. Yeah. Young, younger. My mother was a teenager when she had my sister and me mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice, my sister and I are only 18 months apart and my mom was 16 years old when she got pregnant with my sister. So, you know, very young mother. Yeah. And, um, so then she proceeded to have seven children, but then my dad also had two other 
children as well. And then for a while in there, I had a stepbrother. So we, I had a lot of siblings, mm-hmm. essentially one of nine kids. Wow. wow. Big family. Big That's family. A tribe. <laughs> well, you've it come is, at- and everyone's still growing up. You've come yeah. out here near me. Um, I know we've tried to connect um, a little bit, but you were traveling. But was that to see family out here by me when you went to the Redwoods and when you were um, up in Northern California? I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I tried to do a voice warm up before this and it's, I'm sorry. Um, I had visited Bakersfield to my to see my family and then I, I drove up highway one by myself Hmm. and, um, to see my very good friend who I lived with here in Fayetteville, um, when I was dating my husband, I actually, we shared a little house here. She was, um, she was my roommate for about a year and a half. And so she's kind of like family now. And that's who I went to see up in the Redwoods. That was a really interesting experience because at the time I was drinking alcohol and, um, I had never been away from my kids at all, not one day or night. <laughs> and tell, tell, you have three kids, five. right? Yeah. I have three children. Their ages are eight, almost six, and then my daughter will be two in April. Okay. And, um, yeah, at that time, I'm kind of, this is kind of going to be scattered. Maybe I should tell you about when I first decided that I should not be friends with alcohol anymore. Yeah, let's start there. Um, I was 20, uh, 26 years old, and um, I was living with my husband, but we weren't married, and uh, we had this restaurant, which we, actually we closed last month, and uh, that's something. And um, just, you know, when you own a restaurant, you have an endless supply of wine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, it's I one should... of the bonuses of yeah. having a place because you don't get a lot of money, but you get um, food and booze. Yeah. So I just was having a real, I mean, even even with the lack of scarcity of the substance, I just seemed to drink a lot. And I just, and it wasn't like I was, I had kind of matured out of the phase of like partying and going to bars a lot and all of this, but I was at home just like drinking a bottle of wine by myself every night and I was really depressed. I mean, I Mm -hmm. felt so lost and just, I had done this uh, whole schooling program where I became a massage therapist and I learned all these things about, um, self-care and healing modalities and energy work and all these things. And I, I was finding myself during the day before I had clients, like really enjoying the days that I did have clients because it would give me a reason to not drink. Like Mm -hmm. I had to stay sober until I did all of my body work. And then it was like, Oh, all right, now I can drink. And, um, luckily I, did stay sober during the day for the most part I did use a lot of marijuana but not I don't think while I did body work but I I was definitely doing a lot of self-medicating with wine and marijuana and a little bit of whiskey 
and um, <laughs> and beer. Just a little bit. And tequila. No, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, I I liked you know I I enjoyed the taste of alcohol, but I didn't have like that nice ability that a lot of people have. I think to just like stop drinking. You know, no. it was just I would just keep drinking. And I felt like crap most days, and I looked like crap, like, my skin was real dry, I was just, I felt horrible, like, and I, I'm, I've often been a person, like, I write a lot when I feel, you know, like, I'm a journaler in a way, I mean, I don't so much, and I would draw these, like, um, I was into graphic novels, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I would draw these, like, um, scenarios of like escaping my world and like come up with these you know really romantic notions that I was going to like run away on a bus and you know I don't even know but um, I just began to really like listen to this voice inside me that was kind of saying like hey you need to die mm-hmm. and I think what I came up with more than like I wanted to commit suicide was that whatever this was needed to die. Like whoever this is that is just like a total creep and can't, you know, love themselves. I mean, I didn't think about it in that term, those terms, but I just really was in a a rough place, but I did, I think I did translate that into suicidal thoughts. And I, um, I called this clinic around here and they said, you know, you can come in tomorrow and talk to a counselor and I saw this woman and she said, hey, I'm just wondering, like, how much do you consume alcohol? And I was like, well, you know, pretty much every day. Yeah. Every evening. And she said that oftentimes people are um, hungover every day and they think they're depressed. So what if, just an idea... You try to not drink alcohol for 30 days and go visit these nice people at the AA meetings and just see, see how, how you feel. <laughs> just see, yeah, just real, real basic. Like she said, you know, I mean, so from what I can tell so far from talking to you is that you are somebody who you're a survivor and you're going to keep going and you should be very proud of yourself for where you are at this point of, uh, and, you know, just kind of maybe take this time in your life since you don't have any kids and you're not married and you just kind of, you know, you're sort of a free agent here to explore an idea of what your life might be like without alcohol. So I took her advice and I went to Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Did that freak you out when she suggested that? Like, did you, or were you more like, that's a challenge or how did you feel when she said that? I don't totally remember, but I do remember that that had been on my mind a lot. Like I thought to myself often, like, and I remember verbalizing this to my husband. He was my boyfriend then saying, you know, maybe it's the alcohol. Like, Mm -hmm. well, the fact that you were seeking help, yeah, even if you couldn't put your finger on what, what the cause was, um, the fact that you were seeking help you know, probably that was just enough of a window for that therapist or counselor to suggest that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask real quick. Cause I, that's like a big moment when someone suggests going to AA, cause that could be a kind of a do or die thing. Like just no F you. I don't want to, don't even say right. that to me. Or, um, I took it as a challenge in terms of when my doctor suggested I remove alcohol from my diet for eight weeks. So I was like, Oh, I can meet that challenge. Don't challenge me. I don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, go ahead. So you went to the AA meeting. Yeah, I definitely think that, I mean, I, do, I think there was a little bit of me that was taken aback and I went and I bought a new journal and I started writing about it. And sometimes when I find that journal and I look back, I'm just like, I was very mad. Mm. I, mean, I mean, I was pissed. Like I was mad because I was taking the poison and wanting everyone else to get sick from it. Like I didn't. I was just so mad that it was like, Oh great. Now I can't drink, you know, like mm-hmm. that too. You know, I don't know. I just felt, I remember being mad and I remember kind of taking it out on, um, my boy, my boyfriend a little bit cause he wasn't wanting to stop drinking and he didn't, he doesn't have an, an issue with it. You know, like it doesn't impair him or, uh, keep him from, um, wanting to live life. <laughs> right. So, um, I went to this AA meeting and I just hated it. I, I was mad. I, I just, I didn't like the room. I didn't like what anyone was saying. And then I think I went back again and I just was, um, I, I mean, I want to say I was probably pretty judgmental in a way. And I was like, well, I'm not like these people. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible. Like just. And, but then I started to think, oh, I, I, they are me. Like, that's why I don't like it. Like, I'm looking around and I'm, I don't, I'm absolutely right. I don't want to be in this room. Like, I don't want to be in AA. I don't want to have an alcohol problem. I don't want to do this. And so I just kept not drinking. And, um, I can't remember. I kept seeing the counselor that I saw and she just kept really championing me to um, dig a little deeper into who I wanted to become and, you know, think about my values and all of this really mature, right? <laughs> really mature stuff. For a person in her twenties. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 26. I'm single mostly, you know, I mean, I lived with my boyfriend. So, but 45 days in to this challenge because I kept, I was like, well, I want to go 90 days now. I'm going to do this. I became, I found out I was pregnant with my first child and, um, I was happy about it. And I mean, now when I look back, I I probably wouldn't have recommended that to anybody. Um, I think I had a lot more work to do, but it was definitely a shift in my life and, um, a really beautiful and empowering experience for me. So I never had a problem like abstaining from any more alcohol for a good, um, I think my son was about like six or eight months when I had like a little bit of wine with dinner one night. My husband was like, you can probably have a little bit of wine. I had the other thing of what I have dealt with in my life is um, an issue with food that is 
um, it's tough, man. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that's probably pretty common for yeah. a lady person who is a little anxious. And, um, I've just, I've had anxiety since I was a small child. And I mean, I didn't really identify that it was anxiety because I didn't have the tools or the words to say that that's what I was experiencing. But when I look back on my life and what I experienced and the way that, um, everyone around me saw me and said to me, like, you're such a spaz. Why are you freaking out all the time? <laughs> so helpful. Can't you be cool? <laughs> so like, helpful. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. You know, like, I just think we should wear seatbelts, you know, like I was just, all right. Like, you know, um, the other thing is, is that my mom had a, had an issue with alcohol and was in AA when I was uh, a small or a young child. And I did have some averse childhood experiences surrounding her alcoholism and addiction and then subsequent, like, issues with um, just being alive. Mm-hmm. And um, so she... Oh, I think that um, when I got to college, I started to, uh, like, binge and purge Mm -hmm. food. And uh, I didn't really see it as, like, like I had read all kinds of articles about eating disorders and bulimia and, you know, like, in the Seventeen magazine. It was kind of a in the nineties, I think it was a big time for a lot of eating disorder, um, awareness. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I think that it gave me the idea, Mm -hmm. but, um, (laughs) you know, like the Tracy Gold movie or whatever. I don't know. So, um, I had those issues and, um, I somewhere in there, I stopped doing it. And I don't even, I'm going to, I'm totally honest with you. I don't remember when I stopped doing it. Like it just, I, uh, um, I just, uh, started to get really concerned about health issues. And I also had like points where I was extremely underweight and I was using like ecstasy and all kinds of things to like lose weight and Mm -hmm. also Yes, have a good time. But, um, I mean, when it, it was just like a really weird, dark time, and that was around age 20, 21, right after I moved here to Fayetteville. But, I mean, the binging and purging happened for years. And um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because when uh, I was pregnant with my son, I really didn't have, like, I never, I had, I had long stopped binging and purging because I like I said, was really concerned about like my teeth and my uh, esophagus. And it was probably out of pure vanity that I stopped. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, be, I didn't want to be unhealthy. I, I started to shift my focus on like, I need to be healthy. I need to be strong. I started running. I became, you know, really into a healthy diet, organic food, just like, you know, pushed it. And then like, I became vegan for a while and it was just, um, whole thing. So by the time I got pregnant with my son and I had stopped drinking alcohol and I was still like 
my husband and I were really into just like clean food and we had this pantry that we had set up and we ate just we we ate so well like but it almost became like another obsession to where if we traveled we would be starving by the time we found something that we found thought was acceptable to eat right so um in the pregnancy I think that I I remember you know they always tell you like don't gain too much weight and for some people that's great because maybe they will eat a dozen cookies or something like that. Like I will probably in my life never eat a dozen cookies in a sitting. Like it's just, I'm never going to do that because I don't, I, that freaks me out <laughs> pretty bad to uh, think about it. Plus I think I'd feel terrible. I mean, I, I, I'm super sensitive to foods. Like if I eat something that's too rich, I'm, I feel it. And, um, so I really didn't have a trouble gaining weight, but I was a little bit nervous about it while being pregnant. And um, uh, like I would say stuff like, well, I eat a peanut butter and jelly last night. You think I'm doomed? <laughs> right. Mm. So you almost think, yeah, some doctors do women a disservice. I, I agree. I think they make a bigger deal out of it than maybe they need to. Right. When you see somebody, you're like, well, you're five, eight and you're a buck 25. Like, yeah, probably. Anyway, I had a tiny baby. I had a home birth, um, unmedicated and a little water pool in the kitchen. And it was like a really amazing experience. And, um, but afterwards my son, he did not have any health issues. He's super, super healthy. And, uh, we were both really healthy and I, I, it was glorious. I gained a great amount of weight and, uh, we had no problem breastfeeding, but then he had these like sensitivities to my breast milk that caused him to have like eczema from head to toe. That was really, really bad. So I had to do an elimination diet and it was, um, Sorry, Um, it was super extreme. Like I went to this naturopath and I really probably should have told her, hey, I have a little bit of a history of some eating issues. Right, right. Because that just fired it up. It did, but I think that ultimately, so she would like put me on 10 things I could eat. It was Mm -hmm. like, brown rice, cucumbers, you know, just like chicken, like 10 things, literally. And it worked. So then I kept doing it and kept doing it. And it made me really nervous about everything that I ate and about, you know, I mean, it just really kind of created a bit of a spiral for me in a way. I remember having like a panic attack one night because I, I was looking at my baby and I couldn't even pick him up because I was just like, I thought everything I was doing was wrong. It was so overwhelming and horrible. And P.S. I had no family around. Like mm-hmm. no one came to visit me when I had the baby. Like, yeah. I mean, it was, it, you know, so I'm like here by myself in this community trying to like make these friends and this, these roots and all this thing. And then I've got this baby who's inflamed and I literally would go places and people would be like, what's wrong with his skin? And I'd be like, well, I guess it's something in my breast milk. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, never really occurred to me to not breastfeed or try other, or like try formulas and stuff. Although the things that were causing issues for him were in the formula. Probably so, in the formula. Yeah. Like lactose or whatever. Yeah. 
it was like um, I mean dairy so, yeah it was, it yeah was an issue. so and ultimately it was eggs for us but mm-hmm. so I'm saying all this to say that the depth of that experience and the darkness of it and doing that all so that was the first six months and then I think I had a little bit of wine here and there but I never I was so um you know conscious of what I was putting in my body that I never really like had a full glass of wine ever (laughs) at all because you were just hyper vigilant you were like yeah couldn't let that happen yeah it was I mean I couldn't go to a play date because it was like there'd be a little um, goldfishes that the kids were eating and then my baby couldn't eat it but then he'd be trying to put everything in his mouth and I was a new mom and I didn't you know I wasn't I didn't have that uh faith in that it's all going to work out like I think that I literally thought that the things would kill him like Mm -hmm. I I don't even know so basically you you had anxiety you had anxiety no you had you you said you are had the propensity to have anxiety and so that's that's not surprising yeah it definitely took a turn probably could have used a little medication but I probably wouldn't have taken it anyway right and uh so in that, in that experience, I realized how silly it is, or how, not silly, I don't think, I don't want to say, I don't want to diminish the seriousness of somebody having these types of issues with food, because, I mean, I, I've accepted this is going to be me for life. Like, I'm not just going to, um, I'm not just going to miraculously become a different person, or I mean, I don't even need that miracle because I'm, I just, I've learned to work with it. But in having that like extreme diet where, I mean, I kind of got to know what it felt like to be a true full blown anorexia nervosa person. Uh, I was like, well, I don't ever want to be here again. This is horrible. Like, this is a terrible feeling. This is, I can't do this in my life. And so that kind of healed me in some ways. It was almost like, you really want to know what it's like? <laughs> Let me show you. And you have to do it. Because if not, your kid's going to be a rash everywhere. And it wasn't just like a little rash. It was like extremely inflamed, irritated skin that would crack and bleed. And I was scared to take him swimming. And I was scared of MRSA and all these yeah. things. But Yeah. So <clears throat> that was neat. No, that's, and, uh, but that's laying like the foundation of, I mean, cause that's just, that is anxiety. It's, it's, uh, uh yeah. And, and postpartum, like these feelings that we have, especially with our firstborn, you know, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, well, I knew what to do. I knew to, to drink wine, to make those feelings go away eventually. Um, actually yeah. not eventually pretty quickly. I figured that out. And my baby, my kid was about nine months old. So I understand, I don't, I don't have the other part of it, but I get the anxiety and that I wanted to control the universe. So I, I, I just felt like it was, if I could control it, he would live, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's really inflated of me to think that, that it was all up to me, but it felt oh. that way. It was still true. It could be true at the same time. Well, yeah, we're mortals too. So it's like, you really have to kind of, at some point have faith in the fact that your child is going to live beyond you. Yeah. It's not... You know, <clears throat> yeah, I can give myself permission to like get sick and you know possibly have to. I don't want to die, but like you know what I mean. Like, 
it's okay. It's not going to, it'll be horrible for everyone, but I think I'm allowed to be a human <laughs> yeah. with uh, feelings and uh, mortality. Well, when did you start, it, I'm sorry, when did you start feeling more human? That's what I guess where I wanted to go with that. When did you start feeling more human? And then where did, and where was your drinking around all of that? Um, I kept it really limited in the drinking and, um, but I think what I want to convey is that in those years, my drinking was a part of a bigger thing, like not drinking didn't even really occur to me because I was so obsessed with anything up in my body. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, not to say that it was easy, but then I, then I started like casually having some wine here and there and, um, but then I had a, I got pregnant again with my second child. And so I didn't drink at all, uh, anymore. And I didn't drink at all while he was a good year, you know, my second child, but I really struggled. It sounds like I really already struggled with the first one, but then, um, with my second son, he also had some skin issues, but I did not, I never again took it to the extreme that I did with the elimination things with my first child. And I just, I really was more relaxed in a lot of ways, but my world was definitely turned upside down by having two kids and, um, breastfeeding a second child while having a toddler. And then my husband was working all the time. And, um, I don't really, it's such a blur. Like it was so hard (laughs) for me, but, um, it all turned out all right. And I'm trying to remember we ended up moving. And I, I think that after my second child was a year old, I just kept, uh, letting go more and more. It's been like, you know, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. He did have like the flu when he was really small. And that about sent me over the edge. Cause I was, pretty certain he was going to die, even though he wasn't. I mean, I took very good care of him and I, (laughs) I don't know. So, um, I just kept kind of drinking more, I guess. I mean, I did, I definitely got to the point of where I was drinking every day and, um, it was just kind of like one cocktail here and there. And it was all masked in this like real sense of creativity. And like we had a garden and herbs and, we created these like craft cocktails and, um, you know, I was working at the restaurant and the bar, I was bartending and, um, I just felt myself like kind of slipping in some ways, but also gaining some footing in some other ways of like trying to be more of who I was before having kids. And, um, so that led me to taking, you know, uh, leave from my family for a week when I came out to California at the time that we didn't get to connect Tammy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so like overwhelmed by my son, Jasper, my second child was like, he breastfed till he was three years old. And he was, I mean, he just basically owned my life. And <laughs> right. Um, I, I was just, I mean, he just was so, I mean, we couldn't sleep. Like he just, he was so, um, attached. So I thought, Hey, what if we have a little weaning party where I drank some champagne? (laughs) And I I remember this. I remember this. 
Yeah, I have the little weaning party. Wrote a blog post about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and then like a week later, I got on a plane by myself and I went to California. And um, I remember being on the plane and thinking like, oh, I would really like to have a drink to calm myself. But I, you know, I was also like, well, I have to drive. And I felt this like strong sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm like really out here in the world and I don't have my kids and I can't get hurt. Like I can't, you know, I can't get, you know, I need to really like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Was it like that for you the first time you left your kid where you're like, this is very serious? Um, First time I left my kid, uh, I was just freaked out the whole night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then I was gone for a week and I, my body, I, I didn't like in my mind, I was lacking the break. But physically, I was not dealing and I wasn't coping very well. So then I was drinking like every night that I was away just to kind of like settle myself. And I think I took it a little far and I was having some hangovers. So then um, I really wish that I had taken that trip not in that state. But I also think that having that experience was a really great um it was a good, like, learning yeah. opportunity to, like, no, I don't want to feel like that anymore. So um, I drove up the coast of California, and I was I had anxiety the whole time. I was – it was so beautiful. It was, it was incredible. It took hours and hours to drive Highway 1, and I – I wished I had somebody with me. And then at times I was just so like I could pull over and just lay on the ground and look at the sky and just feel everything that I experienced for years and just be, you know, I was kind of in this little bubble of like, I didn't know anyone. And (laughs) I was seeing all these amazing like uh, vistas and just like overwhelmed. And uh, it was truly lovely and then when I got to San Francisco we went to wine country (laughs) my friend and I drove over to Hillsburg and we I don't know I don't think we got like totally wasted but definitely did some drinking and um it feels like freedom right there's something about that when I remember I can remember an experience that I won't share right now but I'm just you're recalling some memories where I kind of got away by myself and it felt like I deserved to do that. Yeah. I deserved to like punctuate it with, you know, seven glasses of wine, or I deserved to punctuate it with, you know, as many Manhattans as I could have. I deserve this. It was really yeah. like an entitlement that I felt that I deserved as a woman, as a mother, as a wife. I, it's, um, I don't feel that way now, but it's, it was yeah. real. I understand what you're saying here. Yeah. And yeah. it's just kind of, it, it just, it seems like that kind of thing accompanies a lot of experiences that we have where, um, I don't know, I guess celebratory, but then yeah. we're feeling terrible. But then, right. But then you also, you know, how you were saying you were anxious and, and being separated from your kids for the first time. I mean, I think that's why they say alcohol abuse or overuse, whatever you want to call it is, um, it's just a symptom of, of something else. So it's yeah. just a way to deal with anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's a way to deal with freedom, joy, mm-hmm. all of the, th- all of those things. Um, 
yeah, like all of these things crashing in your brain and your body and you're just, I mean, then I had, was also going through like the oxytocin withdrawal of having breastfed for five years in a row. Right. So physically, yeah, things that you can't even put your finger on probably, but your body's definitely going to react to, yeah, a separation from a baby that's been attached to you for three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you. Know, I think it's like that, again, the same type of thing of when I had the elimination diet challenge being like, Oh, wait a minute. I don't want to be an anorexic. Like where, um, <laughs> that's terrible to say. Does that sound heartless? No. I mean, I, mean, I don't, I don't mean to admit, I mean, it being an anorexic. It's your story. Story. It's your story. Yeah. No. yeah. 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 Anyone. But like where you're home for these years with these kids, you're like, I just need a week away. I just need yeah. to go somewhere by myself and do this. And then you get there and you're like, well, this is terrible. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. A I lot can't of... even poop. Like, <laughs> I couldn't sleep right. I couldn't, I couldn't, it's like I couldn't really even eat. I tried to go to a yoga class. I just slipped off my mat and did savasana the whole time and then got drunk that night. Yeah. And, um, and I was really good at yoga and I <laughs> couldn't keep it together. So, um, when I got back from that trip, uh, we were in the process of opening a third restaurant, which then closed, which was fun. And then, um, we bought a house, we completely gutted it and remodeled it. And in the process of that, I was trying to, I wanted a third child and I was trying to get pregnant and I became pregnant and, um, I was drinking and I mean, I was, when I got back from California, so it was only like three months before I became pregnant with my daughter and I was staying up like till one o'clock in the morning watching bad TV, just drinking whiskey and whatever I had around. And I mean, I don't even know why I was doing that. I mean, I think I was just needing a moment like to unwind but it was just winding me back up so hardcore for the next day that it was just oh, a vicious yeah. cycle. Oh, I know. I know. And then you're like, yeah. oh, I need all this coffee. And then, and, you know, you're really dehydrated underneath all of it. And your body's trying to uh, balance itself. And, your, you know, your organs are just like, oh, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah, the coffee just so, would fuel the, the de dehydration and the anxiety for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's this just, was like this I mean, crazy making. Uh, yeah, and I, I really like a big part of my life right now is like not looking upon others and what they do and trying to um, project my own experiences, you know, or like be judgmental and be like, well, if you stop drinking that coffee and that wine every day, you might feel, you know, like, <laughs> I don't, it's hard. But anyway, <clears throat> When I became pregnant with my daughter, I, the day I found out, well, <clears throat> the day I found out I was pregnant, I was like saying out loud, I just want to roll up in a ball and cry. Like I feel uh. really, really bad, but I didn't know I was pregnant. And then that afternoon I took a pregnancy test and I was like, oh man, and it was really light. And I remember thinking, well, I think I'll have a beer. <laughs> and I shared a beer with a friend, like it was a low alcohol. I like after that, I thought, gosh, if seeing a positive pregnancy test doesn't make you want to not drink 
beer, you must really be hurting here, pal, because that that to me felt really slippery. Like, yeah. just mm-hmm. like, what was I thinking? You know, I mean, I know that it probably didn't harm my daughter. No, but, but... just well, that I and didn't <clears throat> want to stop drinking. <laughs> and yeah. just as you t- as you're telling your story, I mean, I can see as an outsider just the progression of it. You know, well, when you started started off in your first pregnancy, and you were you were saying, you know, I'm going to take care of my vessel and, you know, there will be no alcohol that will, you know, touch my lips to, you know, you're by your third pregnancy, which I know that we take the, take, uh, our hands off the reins a little bit, the more babies we have, you know, you mentioned that too, but still you can see the progression of it. And that's just how alcohol is, especially if, um, you know, you're the kind of person who's set up to to possibly abuse alcohol. Yeah. Um, you can see the, you know, you can just see the progression. I yeah, I agree, and I think that a lot of my peers um, drank and used marijuana while pregnant, and it was like totally fine, and did the same while they were breastfeeding. And I I didn't use marijuana at all during any of this time, and I still haven't and um because honestly marijuana for me was harder to stop using than alcohol and um I don't um I'm actually probably like I'm pro the use of medical marijuana but I you know I I don't know we probably shouldn't get into that maybe I don't know but I don't I don't use it at all anymore either and um I was just really, like, taken aback by, like, my, like, I don't think that that would be scary to a lot of people to be, like, oh, I'm pregnant and I had a little half beer. It was, like, a, you know, because I'm not even really sure because the pregnancy test was light. And then I went out to dinner and I had a sip of my friend's cocktail because I really actually wanted to drink a cocktail. And I'm not really sure if the pregnancy will stick, you know, those types of things. But Mm -hmm. then it was, to me, it was a real alarm that after months of being pregnant and then after having my daughter, thinking back to that is a low point for me yeah, personally. And so, um, you know, I just proceeded through the pregnancy not drinking. And I remember everyone always tells you while you're pregnant that you can drink. They're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, one glass of wine, two glasses of wine. You're like, no, not for me. Because I'm concerned every time that I've been pregnant when I have a newborn or a baby, I'm terrified of having a, the child die. And I'm, of, yeah, and SIDS and the whole thing. So I'm, I'm not, again, I, I am a spaz, <laughs> like my mom always told me. <laughs> The things your family tells you growing up that really alarm you, I've noticed, like, they're true. And they, I mean, not all of them. I'm, I didn't have my, – my family is very loving. They just like to tease. And yeah. they will find your weaknesses and they will draw them out. And they, But they, it's all in love. I was never abused. You know, it, yeah, everything is – I think Elizabeth British. Gilbert said uh, your, your, your family knows how to push your buttons because they installed them. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's totally it. Spot on. <laughs> yeah. They know him. Well, you're, I'm learning this now with my kids because I'll just be like, why are you 
freaking out? And I, I remember that was a trigger for me as a kid. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't want anyone to tell me I was freaking out because I felt really, really like what I was saying was important and that I wanted to be heard. And um, so um, I can't remember what I was saying. Well, I think we kind of left off where you, you were surprised by wanting to drink when you were first pregnant with your third child. So you were probably leading up to maybe when you quit or when you decided that you weren't going to drink anymore. Yeah. So, um, gosh, yeah. So I, um, that was a really long explanation for me to tell you that whole story, but I feel like I love it. Have to no, start this is this is the interview. This is your story. This is what we yeah, want to hear. Good. Oh, great. <laughs> so I just was real freaked out. Now I had the baby, and I the more that I thought about it, I thought, you know, I really, really like not having to deal with um, any other thing in my life that could potentially make my days harder or um, less pleasant or myself feel any physically worse than I already do. So um, I stopped drinking coffee. And Well, no, I mean, I, I hadn't had any alcohol. And I actually didn't drink coffee while I was pregnant either. So I just, I think stopping coffee, because by this time I had not had any alcohol for a long time, over a year or something, and now I haven't had coffee in a really, really long time either. And I don't really remember the last time every once in a while I'll try a little bit. And I just think that it tastes really gross now, which is just a victory to me in such a way. And I think alcohol smells terrible to me too. And I'm just like, thank you, whatever it is that made that happen for me. I'm so grateful. And I mean, it does lead to me not liking the smell of it on others like my husband, but, um, yeah, I can cope with that. But no, basically, um, I just came to a point where I was like, wow, I haven't had a a drink in a year and some change. And then I I was like, I'm just not going to drink anymore. And I've talked with my husband about it. And I think on my 34th birthday, my husband had a brunch for me and he was serving some um, mimosas. And my friends were like, why don't you just have a little sip? And I took a little sip of the champagne this sounds so silly when I'm saying it like I sound like such a square but it's not um I was just like I felt like no 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 this isn't I can't you know I took a little sip and then I dumped it out and then I felt like I wanted to tell everyone I didn't drink that like (laughs) I didn't drink it and I wanted to tell myself that too like no I'm not I'm not drinking and um so that's kind of still where I am. That's When's crazy. the last time you had a drink, Nico? The day I found out I was pregnant with Maribel, which was um, July 24th July. of 2015. Wow. So well, it's so, been a while. Well, yeah, and I was you, um, the mental anguish that you are experiencing, right? So you kept having that mental anguish surrounding it and once you removed it do you feel like some of that went away do you feel like that's taken out of the equation and you can calm down a little bit about it you know feel calmer I mean just kind of like about the alcohol yeah or just in general in general both I I guess yeah yeah I mean I think so and and it sounds Uh, like you you were just on the slow path to figuring out like so many of us that's why when we go back and look at our past with our drinking 
have all these markers, right? And people talk about, you know, I didn't have a bottom or, um, I never drank like, you know, some people drink like i but I always think like, but you had these indicators that you didn't, it doesn't have to be a physical bottom with booze. You didn't have to like be on the sidewalk outside your house and forget how you get there. You, you know, it could be that you, oh, right. it could be that you just felt so demoralized and felt so, um, burdened by these thoughts. And that if we think about that, those can be the bottoms too, right? Those can be like, that's an indicator. I don't, I shouldn't be having this in my life, but we keep collecting them until we get to a point that we stop. And I think they're all really yeah. important. So everything that you shared with us today were all these little markers that got you to say that, like, I think I need to remove that. And I feel, I know I feel better. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, another I mean, thing that's significant about your story too, is that, you know, people that don't, have a problem with alcohol don't grapple really with it they don't have these like you don't right they don't have these constant tugs like should I be shouldn't shouldn't I be you know they don't have this mental and spiritual anguish over it so like I knew yeah in there every time yeah, this I mean, for me yeah and if you and if you kept drinking you know maybe it would look all right for the most part, but it would probably eventually get you back to a place where you were miserable or, you know, or beyond where you had consequences. Yeah. The consequences. I I think there's often like this survivor, like almost survivor's guilt or not. I mean, maybe it's not guilt, but like, Ooh, I'm so glad. Like I've never been arrested. I've, I haven't, I mean, there have been times that I have done some things under the influence of alcohol that I, regret so deeply to this day that it is such a driving force for me to, um, to remain like, I mean, I have shed so many layers of, uh, shame and guilt over some things that I have done. Uh, especially like in my early twenties, when I, when I transitioned away from using hard drugs and into just alcohol, just alcohol, I mean, I did, I, I, I felt I was look, looking back, I was far more out of control and harmful to the, my, the close people around me and myself using alcohol than I was, you know, in the years that I was experimenting with psychedelics and all these other, <laughs> I mean, I hope my kids don't listen to this. <laughs> um, we hope they won't. I promise you they won't. I'll be honest with them, I think. Just be like, listen, man, I made some choices that were weird. But uh, in that time, too, I also was seeing a woman when I became pregnant with Maribel and right, you know, in this time of deciding to not to drink and uh, deciding not to drink, I, I started seeing this healer woman who did like these sessions with me where she, her work is to kind of connect with one's um, subconscious in a way and sort of like try to tune into you and share with you things that she might intuit. You could help you to, you know, reach um, the heights of the being that you want to be in a way. And, um, it was a really interesting and beautiful time because I, I feel like in that work with, with her, I learned so much about 
like humility and just, I mean, we can all kind of look back on our lives in a lot of ways and want to feel like we were right (laughs) or something. And, um, I don't, I can't really even express what the work was like with her, but it was, it was a lot about coming away, like avoiding drama in your life, which that word is so funny, but, um, it's so true. And then, um, a lot about learning how to be your own parent, which I think is something that is really, and accepting oneself and Honestly, I don't read a lot of self-help books or anything. <clears throat> I really like people who do, and they can tell me what they learned from them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd like your version, the Cliffsnet's version. <laughs> you just read this and then just like, tell me, what's the, take- what's the takeaway? Like that Elizabeth Gilbert that you just told me, I'm like, great. That is, um, now I don't have to, re- I don't, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But- <laughs> That, that was a good one from her. Yeah. yeah. There you go. What else did she say? <laughs> Got my pimple. That's funny. I hear that in the rooms often, that phrase. So maybe someone's paraphrasing her in there too. <laughs> That's good. Oh. But to parent yourself is huge. Like that is, I'm, I'm, I have a, a friend in my life that is, that is struggling. And I just keep saying, just act like, you know, you're, parenting yourself or act like you're pregnant or act like you are your child, your own child. Like, what would you do? You know, what would you do for yourself that is so kind and, and thoughtful and loving and peaceful? And like what, what you would give away to someone else? Why don't you do that for yourself? It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. I don't know why it's so hard. I mean, it becomes easier over time, although I still cannot seem to put myself to bed on time every night like I do my kids. I'm like, I'm real serious about their bedtime. But then with me, I'm like, well, you deserve another episode of The Crown. <laughs> Everyone does, Nico. Everyone yeah, does. I'm in love with that show. Show. So good. So beautiful. So anyway, that's, that's uh, basically, uh, to me right now in my life, not drinking is the easy part. Hmm. The hard part is like everything else. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's just coping with myself and, you know, then, and also not having that to blame it on like, well, I feel like crap today. It's not because I drink, which Mm -hmm. thank goodness, because I'd probably feel worse. And, and then it's also like, well, good thing you're not drinking. And it doesn't really even occur to me most of the time. And so what kind of support do you have? Is it just that person that you just mentioned that's your sort of healer person that you talk to? Yeah, what well, do you I do? Haven't, um, yeah, I haven't, seen, I haven't seen her in a while, um, but I still draw very much on the things that we talk about, and I see her for maintenance sometimes. At, at this point in my life, I, I'm... Really, I've been limited on um, just because we have so much going on on, you know, getting that time to maintain. Um, So for support, I don't know. I've been talking to my mom more Mm -hmm. and that's been great. And um, I talk to my dad a lot, actually, too. 
And I don't really talk to him about drinking, but I just find that the comfort of talking to my mom or my dad or my sister. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't often, dis- I mean, I remind them sometimes like, Oh, Hey, you know, still not drinking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, neat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, did you ever, did I'm you really relying on myself a lot? Honestly, <sighs> does that, because that, sometimes that can feel yeah. a lot too, right. To just rely on ourselves when we're just like trying to just hold on as tight as we can and stay the course. Because like you said, I think it's not that I don't feel like drinking anymore and that's not the issue. It's, it's life. It's how to manage yeah. these other things. But, um, did you ever go to Al-Anon because you said your, your mom went to AA. Did you ever try it? I haven't, but that was suggested to me by my healer woman who also goes to Al-Anon. Oh, okay. Mm. And I yeah. really have good intentions of going. Have yeah. you ever heard of the author called Tammy, Tammy Lynn Kent? No. She, she writes, um, she writes a book and it's called, what's the first one called? Wild Women or something. But this other book is called Mothering from Your Center. Uh-huh. Her. And so her work is a lot about the pelvic bowl. She mm-hmm. recommends vaginal massage. I've never had a vaginal massage, but um, I don't think I have. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I have, maybe. <laughs> maybe not a proper one, but I feel, feel like maybe I have. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, I'm so mature. I like, can't say it without laughing, but... Uh, <laughs> No, I've heard about the steaming, this vaginal steaming. I mean, I think it's a thing. No, oh, it's totally like good for you. And I've I've been planning to do a yoni steam because I was doing these face steams while I was sick, and I'm like, man, I could do this, but I just really need to carve out a time when no one's going to walk in on me in the bathroom, right? Because I don't <laughs> want my kids to see that. So, um, no, no, so, you don't. They don't want it either, Nico. <laughs> oh, mom, my mom's so weird. Um, so anyway, she talks a lot about, there's this book that I have partially read of hers about how your creativity for a woman comes, you know, from the pelvic bowl. Mm-hmm. I've read this as well. The, mm-hmm. Right. Like, so the creating of life and all this and so I'm you're where creation I'm, comes from. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it holds a lot of energy and learning how to release some of that so that you can have you know, the other parts of your life and the creativity. Anyway, what I'm trying to get to is that I'm trying to give myself a lot of passes in a way about, um, all the time I'm not spending really like hardcore working on myself, which I, I, I constantly feel like I am, but in a way, like I'm not seeking it outside of the home that much because I feel like I'm so in that phase of like, still creating life and like you, you know. are mom yeah you are mommying um, I mean that's your yeah I'm sure that's taken up a lot of time you have three kids under eight, eight. what did you say eight yeah 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 they all they all and you know my daughter is still nursing and I'm um yeah so I'm trying not to be too hard on myself no because I can go on the plate well if not top of not being perfect I'm not you know seeking all the help I can but I would say my husband is also like a really like he's an amazing support person I mean mm. although he doesn't share the same anxiety that I share in life 
Like he's really um, nice about listening to me and he holds space for me often. I was just going to say, you just need one person that will listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just listening to you work it out. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Just saying out loud your dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. No one wants to hear. Right. Like I almost ran out of the house screaming today, but I didn't. (laughs) Right. I'm here. The the kids are all intact. Everyone's still alive. Um, Welcome home, honey. Please make me some beautiful yeah. dinner. Okay, when your husband makes yeah. you dinner and I see it on Instagram, I'm like, okay, that's got to be pretty sweet, Nico. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he likes to cook. Um, it so- is pretty good. I want to kind of like offer some um, downsides to it, but I shouldn't. You know? Like, I often <laughs> want to say like, but no, you guys, there's a mess. But I'm like, well, he does mostly clean that up and um, <laughs> takes a really long time. I'm like, well, it tastes really good too. Like, yeah. it's okay. You, there's, you know, there's, it's imperfect. It's justified that you can, you know, flaunt some things without any guilt. <laughs> I feel so bad sometimes because my friends will be like, well, you know, I cook everything in my house. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't relate, but, um, <laughs> I'm sure I, I actually really love to cook. I'm, uh, I enjoy it very much. Like I've said, I've been, I'm obsessed with food. Yeah. We're, we all are. That's not, Jeremy and I fell in love based on our mutual obsession with food and, and service. And, um, yeah, I mean, there was also love of alcohol in there, but yeah. the alcohol just didn't love me back. No. So I broke up. Yeah, same. I I, I dated that alcohol too. <laughs> well, today, okay, so I just want to, all of this, maybe I should have said this at the, well, not at the beginning, but I met you just through Instagram. And mm-hmm. um, our connection is interesting. And so recently, when you were posting, when you hit your two year mark, um, and even recently over the holidays, you posted something. Um, really thoughtful and insightful on your Instagram feed, some thoughts about not drinking and your life. And I felt like you found a community on Instagram as I think I have too. And I think Sandra has. Um, but when you and I met, I remember you were going on a date night with Jeremy wearing these cute little, um, Swedish has been clogs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she's so, cause you would post your outfits cause you're very into fashion and style and, um, you have a great sense and, um, and you've modeled before, I believe, and probably still do. Um, not but anymore. I'm not anymore. Very shy. <laughs> <laughs> but you have, you had this thing and I was like, and I think I asked you where you got your shoes and then you were nice and responded. And we started this thing where we just kind of, and then we were friend, have a mutual friend, Nikki, um, dig this chick. And so we kind of I just, yeah, we just kind so of much. communicating and, um, I think that's what's so fun. A lot of my friends who aren't on social media do not understand it, not one bit, and think it's kind of weird, but that I could have friends that I've never met before and have um, things in common. And what your Instagram feed is so beautiful, your life, and which I know you don't try to tout that this is my beautiful life. Because I remember when you had um, your oldest... um, Look at my name, Lucas, and you had Jasper, and he was just a little one, and you had this kind of up stairs playroom that you had changed around or mixed up or fixed up and had a little teepee, I believe. Is that right? 
yeah. Maybe. And yeah. and you would just be saying like... It's like an A-frame attic. Yeah. It was beautiful. And you would say like, here it is. I just fixed it up. But don't be fooled because... And then you'd like show a picture from downstairs. It was just like a hot mess. And you're like, it's not all perfect here. Like, I, that's not what I'm trying to do. And I've always felt like you like beautiful things. You, you've created a beautiful home and your stamp is all over it, right? With how you like it. I can tell it's your style. You definitely, your Instagram feed has a mood, like a feeling to it. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about that, like how you cultivated and used your creative voice, like through that little screen, um, it comes out and now you do work with brands and, and, um, you've created work from it. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's been an interesting, like, surprise that um, this has become something that I do to me. I mean, I've, I've always expressed myself through my clothing. Like, that's just always been a part of who I am. And I, definitely that came from my mom and my mom was, um, very good at keeping a house and, um, making things cute, even though we did not have a lot of money. And, um, through the time that I've been doing this, I've come to realize that the best parts of her are coming through me Hmm. in this way. And, um, she also is very good at taking photos these are all things that through my, you know, investigation of like my past, like I've just really recently been like, Oh, this is, this is me. This, I mean, I I think this is a tribute to my mother, like in a way, Hmm. but it's also just, you know, to life. And, um, I think I'm trying to remember, I started Instagram because I was breastfeeding my second child alone in the dark a lot and I started to look on Instagram and I I was following this blogger on their blog and I wanted to see more like I realized they were on Instagram and I was oh I can get more you know of their pictures and their little stories and stuff through this and then I started to tell my own little pictures and stories and then that just started to evolve and then I started to pick up on the fact that people were really intentional with how that they were telling their story and how um, I started to notice that uh, I liked it when I saw somebody's Instagram collection that was all real cohesive and it looked like a little art project. And so then I started to kind of edit in the same way all the time and um, put more thought into it. Although I want to backtrack in my first couple of years of Instagram, I don't think I thought about it that much. I was just kind of like just posting stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I started to focus on photography and that's what the focus was before I started to get into the whole like <clears throat> quote unquote curating of the feed. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was in the time that I, um, it was a surprise to me one day after making these, I mean, I'm going to, honestly, they were very like organic. Like, um, I, I was just trying to find good light and, 
um, try to do good editing and, um, just collect little moments and put them together. And I didn't really overthink it very much. And I became, I, I got a notification that, um, Instagram started following me like the actual Instagram account. And over the course of like two weeks of being in this suggested user thing where they suggest your account to all these new, um, follower, all the like new accounts to sign up. I gained, I went from having like 2000 followers to 32,000 followers. That's crazy. It was nuts. And I actually didn't even realize what was happening at the time. I was just like telling my, um, some friends that I'd met on there. I was in this little like chat group. Um, Hey, this is weird. Instagram started following me and I'm getting all these followers every day. And, um, I don't really know what it was. And then I was getting private messages from like random men and um, it was horrible. I saw somebody's private parts. Oh my god! When I opened the message, I was like, "Hello." Well, that was a little more than I was bargaining for today. Good morning. And then, uh, young kids were leaving horrible comments on my photos, and I was just getting kind of—it was really—I um, felt real exposed. I felt nervous. I had a nerve. Uh, a local woman contact me and tell me that I should make my account private and that my children were at risk. And, um, I felt really conflicted because where it felt like it was something I should be happy about by being recognized by Instagram for the posts that I was making, I was taking like, um, people's advice to me as a personal attack, but I don't think it was, I think they were all just as confused. And like, there was a mixture of, what I was perceiving as their excitement for me as being like judgment or, um, you know, it just didn't feel very positive. So I ended up like having all those followers removed by this third party, um, by a third party and then just starting over, you know, just like, okay, regroup and do this thing. And then I just kept, I felt really good about having a smaller community and not worrying about how many likes I was getting, you know, based on how many followers I had and whether or not people thought I was buying followers because of the um, rapid influx and the lack of likes or all this. Cause somebody had mentioned that to me that it could look like I had purchased these followers. And I was, it was just like, wow, for somebody is like, um, are, you know, naturally, you know, inclined to kind of be a perfectionist and a, um, a sensitive person and anxious anyway, it was not very fun. So I just kind of like struck out on my own and just kept doing my own thing and, um, stopped listening to those voices and listened to my husband mostly who was like, and my dad and my mom, and I talked to them about it and everyone was like, you know, just, just do you, man. So I just kept, that's what I just kept doing is doing me. And then I, the account grew a little bit more, mostly through being like featured by other accounts than liking my photos and I would tag products in it and, um, of things that I just liked. And, um, then I became an Instagram suggested user again. And this time I was You're like, like, uh-oh. <laughs> Well, I was like, oh, I was excited. I was, because I had processed all that other stuff. And I was yeah. like, well, you know. And then I regretted, like, why did I 
why did I delete all those followers? Why didn't I just see it out? I should have seen it through a little bit longer. I felt like I was doing this like, like noble thing. Like, oh, well, I'm doing the right thing here. People are going to, you know what I mean? In a way, Mm -hmm. but uh, by having everyone anyway. So, um, I just ran with it and then, um, I didn't get as, it wasn't as big of an uptick as it had been the last time, but then, um, through the last couple of years and sharing photos of my daughter and her birth and sharing my experience giving birth to her and, um, just probably opening up a little bit more about, um, my experiences in a way. I mean, I, I think that I am pretty private, even though I, I share things that are somewhat intimate. I don't, I don't feel like I share a lot of detail about things. It's just more like, you know, I oftentimes when I make a post where I'm having a feelings share, (laughs) (laughs) I've thought about it for a long time, you know, like I've, or it's something that occurred to me that day and I've just kind of composed through the thing and it's been a nice way to kind of put it out there. And, um, um, you thought it through though. You don't use Instagram to just sort of vomit information about yourself. Right. Do you consider it kind of a job now, your Instagram feed? Not really. I mean, I don't. I, I really feel like it's still a personal, although I have a business account because I want to track. Um, I like to check. Oh, oh is that, that Maribel? It's Maribel. She just brought me a blueberry. Thank hmm. you, honey. Um, I don't think of it as a job, uh, although I do work from there. In general, I'm trying to protect it in the sense that I think that people have followed me because it's my personal account. You know, like, I don't think people are here to buy things. Right. Like, but then it just so happens that it is fun to help out. Um, Oftentimes, I'm working with small businesses that are run by moms Mm -hmm. who want to get the word out about their products that I actually really use and like. Mm-hmm. And so that has become this mutually beneficial thing where I can provide for my family in the, in, in the way of like <clears throat> usually clothing mm-hmm. and sometimes products. Um, and then I feel like I'm being helpful. Right. Maybe I'm off on that, but I, that's what I, that's what I'm hoping comes across. I've had, a, I've had some people message me before and say like, what's it like to get a bunch of free stuff or then <laughs> mention that in the, a comment and be like, well, you know, I think that we maybe might could reassess what we think free is because I feel like when you get something for free, you don't give anything in exchange, you know? Right. This is more of a, yeah, no, you, I get that. This I get what you're saying. Free. Yeah. This, is, this, you know, I mean, if it's something free, then I just take it and I never do anything with it. And I don't have to, um, you know, sometimes I'm going to be honest with you here, agonize over just how I'm going to feature this thing in an organic way that I feel really good about. Mm-hmm. and that feels true and um 
I don't know. I'm really coming across like now. The more I'm talking to you, like, <laughs> like, no, it makes a lot of sense. You're not trying to m- make it look super sponsored, or and you know, I I honestly just started noticing the blatantly sponsored posts on Instagram probably a little less than a year ago. Maybe they'd been happening for far longer. Um, but I just started noticing them and you're right. Some are super blatant, but I would look at your feed and never even know that you were sponsoring something or you were being sponsored. If you are getting paid for a post, you have to disclose that it's part of the rules. Uh So, and payment is money. So I think that usually if you see a post and a company is tagged in the caption, you can assume that somebody has traded that item for Instagram exposure or somebody, you know, a nice company has been like, Hey, I really like what you do. I've got this new line. Would you like to help me promote it? And I don't feel any way bad at all about, um, not saying this is sponsored because I don't consider that sponsored. It's not a paid partnership. Mm -hmm. It's just something you love. Right. And they're, Honestly, I mean, I've kind of gotten to the point where I, I'm only doing things with companies that I'm just really excited about, which I think everybody probably does, and um, I'm really limiting it because it's sometimes not worth the stress. You know, mm-hmm. and I could just buy the item for thirty dollars and then not have to do, um, you know, what could be seen as hundreds of dollars of um, creative work for it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not easy to like, I mean, I have styled my home in a way. I mean, I don't think it's like amazing or whatever, or, you know, just creating a scene and you want it to happen organically, but the, there ends up being a lot more thought and process that goes into it than what, you know, you're getting an item for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it does. And, and worth it. <laughs> Right. Is what you're saying, yeah. It's not always worth it. And then if you say you have some companies who are like, hey, we're going to give you some money and some product and we want one photo. And you're like, oh, well, did that I just win the lottery? Enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, oh, great. And they just like they pay you. And, and I've only done that like twice. I have not made a lot of money doing this. And I think I could. There are these certain like – um, companies you can get with and they are a, an agency for better lack of a, you know for they're basically an agency and you can sign up for commercial jobs and you hashtag it it's sponsored and the whole thing and you can tell them how much money you want for it and do the thing and you're next week you're selling coconut water mm-hmm. and um, I just haven't found my stride in that and I don't feel that it's, um, I'm just not very interested in doing that. I wish that I, I wish I had probably more like security and feeling like that would be okay. Like, I wish I could give myself permission to do that in a way. Cause I'm like, well, cause it's not like as if I don't need money, if that's not even the case, it's just more of like, I don't know if I want to put myself through the stress of worrying. And then like, I don't know, maybe if I got into it and it became something that I was, um, used to and in the flow of Mm -hmm. that it would be easier but at this point 
um, sometimes there will be, you know, people and they, you, you feel like you've done the work for the product and you're done with the thing, but then there's this sense of feeling like they want a lot more out of it, you know? Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a tough one, especially in a, it's unchartered in a way. It's, it's right. a Small businesses mm-hmm. are trying to get as much as they can out of it. And then I think influencers are also trying to get as much as they can out of it. And there's sometimes like not everybody feels that it's um, a fair trade. So, right. And it's not like you're on a studio, you know, you're not like a, at a studio set on a studio set where there's a creative director and... Um, you're all of it. There's parameters and, you know, you know what, you know, the shot that you're needing to get and, and all that. This is your life. It's your home. It's your kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And people are getting some beautiful work out of sending somebody, um, you know, their beautiful, you know, items. But, but then you're like, well, you know, when do you think about, if somebody sends you a $30 item, that maybe costs them $15. Right. And then you You're, do become the stylist, the photographer, the creative director, the, the model. Editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All those things. So it's, I think it's, it's a really neat thing, and I, it's really helped propel a lot of people's businesses in a major way. And then um, for me currently – I have in, in this last couple of months, I've taken a bit of a step back from it because I need to regroup. And I've also, we've been in the process of opening this other restaurant and, um, which is you know, opening today. It is. It's a soft <laughs> opening today. <laughs> you're busy today, Nico. I'm sure you're busy every day. Um, well, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I just, what I wanted to say, um, when you were sharing all of that just now is that you posted something at the end of the year and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read it a little bit because what I also love about your Instagram feed and I hope people follow you. It's, um, Ozark mama dear D E E R. Um, I'm going to skip to the last half of what you posted here. You posted a really pretty picture and you talk about your words are so powerful too. I think you're a great writer And you write about how it's just not all perfect in the square. And you shared that you said, I posted about my shoes and dried oranges and gift wrap all the while, just trying to do all the things I know to tame my anxiety and to remain sober, a commitment I've made to myself that I promise I'll share more about soon. All of these things, all of these little squares I have offered you though, they are not lies. They are just as true as any of the pain that lays deep to the surface. And I want to share this with you, not because I'm going to start sharing all my life's complicated details, but because I want you to know that it occurred to me that heading into the holiday, when real life isn't picturesque, we likely feel an island in our own ways. I just want to peek out a bit from these pretty photos that part of me hides behind and wave. Oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> And say, hey, hi, I'm here too. I see you. You're not the only one. I couldn't even respond when you posted that, Nico. It was so beautiful. And there's so much that I didn't read in that post too. And that's why I like following you. And I do love your pretty, pretty pictures. But I like the artist and the photographer and the writer and the person that is behind it. So Thank you. 
I'm crying. <laughs> wow, it's just my own words made me cry. Good. <laughs> they made me cry, and I myself. I wanted to say something. I wanted to post something, a reply to that. And I was like, I can't even. I don't even have the words to say anything. But yes, you know, there's at that. This is just a little vehicle that we use to share. And um, it's really powerful and it's really, it can be really a beautiful thing too. It doesn't have to be this bad thing that we're on social media too much. It's like, um, it's a gift that we're offering the world a little bit. It's proof of life, you know, proof of life is kind of how I look at it too. I like that. Oh, well, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I um, I wrote that after um, like a long day of feeling like, uh, like, despair (laughs) about some things that were going on in life and I um I almost didn't share it because I was like I don't know about this but then I was so glad that I did because like so many people commented on it Mm. and sent me messages that I I was just um really humbled and grateful and just like and because it is true, you go into these and like you're looking around your family and your or, or wherever it is you spend your holiday and and such, and it's like, oh man, yeah, <laughs> this isn't this isn't like all those. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, thank well, you for reading that, that was really lovely, and I yeah I was really moved by your reading. That. It's beautiful. It's um it's your December twentieth post. If anybody wants to read the whole thing. But that was just the last half of it. And um, yeah, I, and also I'll share, Nico was my last ray of light for the year. Um, she was number 53, which I only did 52 interviews this year. Um, but th- she was 53 because the bonus interview last year was Casey. When Casey passed away, I um, gave her a week to be a ray of light. Um, but Nico was the last interview of the year. So if people want to read more, hear more of her story, they can check out my website at TammySolace.com and read that. Um, but I think we're at this phase of the interview where we ask you to share, um, some tools that you have amassed, um, maybe just three, uh, in your, either your sobriety toolbox or your create creative toolbox, things that are your go-tos that help you. Okay. I use, um, hot baths as therapy. (laughs) Yep. Like that same mothering yourself, like go, go take my mom used to always be like, you need to go take a bath. And I use that with my kids too. (laughs) You need to go take some time and get in the bath and just sit there Mm -hmm. and be with yourself. It's It's a very good mother. Good medicine. It's totally good medicine. Yeah. And like, uh, for a while there was like really, really hot baths. And I like that because it's kind of like a sauna. I also love infrared saunas. Have you ever done this? Mm-hmm. I've seen them, but I don't know what they do, or I, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm hesitant to use it. What's it? What's it all about? Oh, you must. Okay. You will love it. Maybe mm-hmm. you won't love it. Infrared sauna. They, okay. It uh, warms up your body kind of from the inside. It's not a an outside heat. It's like a dry, slow heat. So you know, halfway through your session, you just start to sweat intensely. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, okay. You actually burn a lot of calories. Yeah, I love anything that makes me sweat like that. I love hot tubs and I love, yeah, hot water, hot showers. I love it. It's a release. Yeah, showers. I mean, that's like, 
it just changes your life. And then you're mm-hmm. in there and you're like, what am I, some queen? <laughs> water yep. pouring on my head. Yep. It feels like a baptism to me always when I take that scalding oh. hot shower. It's like a baptism. Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never been baptized, but I guess I've been baptizing myself every day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're reborn, Nico. You are reborn. <laughs> that was my first one, hot water. And okay. Then, and then hot water also is hot tea. Hmm. Yep. That's my life. Do you have a and, favorite tea, tea brand? Um, Could you I pick? I like greasy tea in the morning. Okay. Rishi. I don't use anything fancy. I don't, I'm not in, I, I'm not in a place in my life where I can do loose leaf things. I do, I do a sachet. Okay. And <laughs> in the evening time, I love ginger tea. Mm-hmm. I love ginger tea. Yeah, I do too. That's it. It's a nice burn, like whiskey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, but, it but is. not poison. But then, <laughs> no, it's good for you. Good going down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 We have so much in common. <laughs> The other thing is hot yoga. I mean, mm. we don't even have to go far in that one. That's that's spiritual for me. I like uh, it. I like all of these. Oh my gosh, that is yoga has been. It's I I haven't gone in a while and I I feel it, but it's a really big deal for me that hot yoga. And then the other thing that is a big deal for me is stories, other people's stories. Um, when we were talking a while ago about bottoms, etc., I had a long time in the, my early days of getting sober where I watched a lot of the show Intervention. Mm-hmm. Familiar. And yeah, it's uh, just seeing people work through that. And just uh, it teaches me so much more compassion and uh changes my worldview and lens of like seeing that that person on the corner down there asking for money, there's a level of being like, Oh, I bet they're going to go score some drugs. But then also like, you know what? That's someone's brother. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. And that's the kind of sadder side of that, but that I don't do that all the time. I recently did watch a documentary called, uh, it was on HBO about, uh, methamphetamines which I've never partaken in but um I do have a family member who struggles with that and so those types of that research into um addictions and such somehow is helpful to me I don't know if that's helpful to everyone I also did read that book called A Million Little Pieces mm-hmm. and then the follow-up book to that which is called My Friend Lunar or something yeah. um in the early days of becoming uh, sober and somehow that was helpful to me just reading somebody else's extreme bottom but the flip side to that the lighter side is that I love comedy so much and I love to listen to comedy podcasts and it's like it's it's big for me I feel like comedians are such observers of the world yeah. and they're so deep and then mm-hmm. they come it's just big and so many of them struggle with the same things that we do. So yes. I think that that's why I feel some, yeah, camaraderie. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's big. Um, one that I listen to is this guy, Pete Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. Pete Holmes. I love him. I love his show Crashing on HBO. And I like his podcast, although sometimes I get a little anxious while I'm listening to it because I want him to let the guests 
Talk, he's you know, very like, enthusiastic. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, shut up, Iron. I've taken a little break because one time uh, he was, I think he'd had a bunch of coffee. I don't know what he did, but he was interviewing another, a woman and he just wouldn't let her talk. And I was getting really huffy and puffy about patriarchy. And I don't think he used to be that way at all. He seems so sweet and he's such a, he's a, he's a seeker. And I love to listen to that part of it and that talking about it. So that's one of the ones. And then otherwise, I just listen to other podcasts. Like, I dork out on whatever TV show I'm watching, and I try to find as many interviews about it as I can with the actors and directors and things. Do you ever listen to Pete Holmes when he's on the Rob Bell podcast? Oh, I haven't, but I I want to. Yeah, they do a lot together. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Rob Bell in March. With um, He's with Pete Rollins, which who is not... Pete Holmes, but or Peter Rollins, um, and they talk about God a lot. And okay, I would love to get yeah. into that. Yeah, so he's um, they do they if you'll but if you search for for Rob Bell and Pete Holmes, you'll you'll find a lot. He I think they do shows together down at Largo in Los Angeles, which is a venue that that he does record some of his podcasts at. So you might like that. Okay, have you been to the Largo? I haven't. I was just down there the week after Christmas, and, and his Christmas show was like you know the week before, and so I was hoping I was hoping to get there, but I know I've never been there. Hmm. Never been there. I could go sometime. Oh well, we have to let you go. I think Nico, you have a busy day yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, I do. I do have some stuff to do. And <laughs> like, what are you doing? Just chatting with some girls. <laughs> What is this? Oh, this! Thank you so much for your time and just yeah, for your friendship. For listening to me, my story. I love it. Good luck tonight. Yeah. Uh, in your soft opening. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think people are really gonna like the landing. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Good. Yes, I think it's gonna be. And when me and Sandra do our world tour through Arkansas, we will let you know because there's a gal in Alabama that wants to see us too. Aaron, our friend Aaron Shaw Street, who was on the show. I think we just need to do like a southern tour, Sandra. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. I think you do. All right. Come we're gonna on over. We're gonna figure that out. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, I will um I'll buy you some pizza. Excellent. At a place. Excellent. <laughs> this has been really nice to talk with you. Oh, thank you so much, Nico. Nice talking to you too, Nico. Have a beautiful day. You too. Take care. <laughs> Bye. 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 The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.